What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for high-quality third-party tested supplements. That's mainly here for people in the U.S. If you're in Canada and you want to support the programming, go to supplementsource.ca. I mentioned the other day I saw a pre-workout there for like 15 bucks on closeout. You can get great deals, plus shipping over, over $99 is free. Uh, if you are in the United Kingdom, go to our sponsor, Strom Sports Nutrition. We've got a great bunch of great stuff. Uh, people appreciated last week. I had said that there's a 99.9% chance that you're on cycle if you're watching this show. So you're going to need some stuff from Strom. Hit them up. Uh, Dave, what's going on? I have to be really careful what I say. Why? Because your mom told me off and said I had to be nice to you. <laughs> Because it's my birthday. Is it your birthday? That's why she said you had to be nice to me. Because it's the one day of the year that you have to treat me with respect like you should treat me every episode. Well, just hang on a second. Yeah, I know. Yes. It's fine. It's sorted. Don't worry about it. I know. Every week. He's got, oh, hey. Hey. You good? You good? Dave? My bit. All right. Well, we got a bunch of stuff lined up for you guys today. Um, we wanted to talk about just a little, we're going to call it like a little mini topic, uh, micro dosing versus bolus dosing your TRT. Uh, a lot of people are really into doing like the everyday injections now versus the old days years ago people were doing a shot every two weeks so there's pros and cons to all that we're going to discuss that we've got a little bit of drugs in the news which will be kind of like a, a short little snippet with a very odd uh, outdated and hardly used steroid and then of course we've got your listener questions so to start us out dave um microdosing versus bolus dosing i mean there's doctors out there that still want you to do your shots every two weeks and they think that's just fine on the other end of the spectrum we know that you're not going to have good stable blood levels at week you know at day 13 uh as you do it compared to like day two or three and there's got to be some middle ground but microdosing is all the way the other extreme i think it's a hard sell for a lot of people to say hey you're gonna have to take a shot every day for the rest of your life. Where do you stand on this? So, the, what I'm not sure about, I mean, obviously, the two-weekly shot was originally based around using sustenone. It wasn't based around using single esters like anthonate or sipinate. Really? Yeah. So, the, the and originally, it was one shot every three weeks, but most hmm. people tend to need one every two. Um, and and level stability with SUS does seem to be quite good. Um, now, the, the, the thing is, so the idea is that with a slow-acting ester, if you maintain very stable blood plasma levels, you can change the clearance rate that your body removes that drug from your system. Okay which is why we have two half-lives. We have our normal half-life and we have our terminal half-life. Um, and it's quite odd, actually, because like countries like Germany work on terminal half-life. So for them, test nth has a half-life of 
I think it's about five days or something. Yeah. Um, um, so I'm not sure if this will apply to TRT. So I'm not sure if this will result in you needing more dosing in order to maintain the level you want to maintain. Um, so I really don't know if it's going to be beneficial. If you were looking at saying taking something like prop, then that would probably be much more in, in line with what your body would naturally do because obviously we have a peak in the morning and it drops off as the day goes on. Yeah. So microdosing daily with test prop, yeah, I can see that. That would stand very much in line with what your body does and that would be closer to natural fluctuation. Microdosing with test nth or test sip, I think could be potentially resulting in overall dosing going up. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what my thoughts are here is that we do want stability, but do, do, do we need to go to everyday shots? It's, I'll tell you what, man, back when I, so here's, here's something I discovered in my days of cycling and cycling more intensely stuff like contest prep, I discovered that the more frequently I took an injection, the less side effects that I dealt with. So mm -hmm. If I were doing even Trend Ace, I, I, I had issues with it the first time I ran it, uh, and I ran a high dose. Through my experimentation, I brought the dosing down, and I discovered that going to an everyday shot, I got less side effects. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I noticed that in general, you know, people who have issues with gyno, stuff like that. You might be able mm -hmm. to get around those things by doing a lower dose more frequently. Mm -hmm. um, does everybody need to do it? I, I don't think so. I would personally, like if we take TRT, uh, how often would you suggest somebody started out? How would you break up their shots in the week? One shot per week, two shots per week? Two. How, two? I'd, normally, I'd normally go on two. That's yeah. where I would I mean, do two. Yeah. So when you do single dosing, you get a much higher peak in blood plasma levels of the hormone. Yeah. That's what drives the, the sides. Yes. But yeah. you also get a much higher peak from anabolic activity as well. Yeah. Because you're peaking higher, which is the why the studies have shown that single administration of oral steroids is better than splitting the dose up. Okay. Because you get this higher total peak. So it's always going to be a balance factor of, you know, the sides against the peak level, how you can manage those sides in relation to the lower plasma peak level for more smaller dosing but more regular shots against the size of that. Uh, and that's going to be different to every single person. Agreed. I, yeah. I, I like to build a little bit of irregularity into a cycle so that the cycle doesn't get this increased clearance issue. Well, just keeping, uh, keeping it at like TRT, uh, starting at two shots a week, I would do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then from there, if somebody were having issues, possibly going to every other day, you know? Yeah, and it's, I mean, you'd need to see individual blood work. You'd need yeah. to talk to a person about how they're feeling it. And, and and like I said, I'm not sure how impacting an increased clearance rate would be if it would even occur. Um, I don't know if an increased clearance rate would occur if you were keeping levels within natural ranges. Yeah. Um, yeah. It may only occur when you start going super pharmacological. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. So out, um, out the gate, though, neither of us would suggest that somebody started their TRT microdosing every day. 
just out the gate. Like you're going on TRT, you've never been on it before. Uh, let's start you at, you know, we'll split it up into a daily shot. I wouldn't. No, I, w- I would be, but there's a lot of reinventing the wheel within TRT as well, so that you're relevant or you're, you're credible or yeah. you have something to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Yeah. All right. I mean, I just I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that, because I do think that we have a lot of people that are getting onto TRT. They're new at it and that they are you know, doing a lot. Of, here's the other thing. I think that some people would prefer to do a small insulin pin injection with a half, you know, half inch insulin needle than having to get out, bust out the big old three CC with the 25 gauge or 23 gauge, something like that. You know, I think it's less of a commitment uh, in a way. Yeah. There's, there's lots of reasons behind why it might work for somebody. Um, And I suppose that is a lot of it. I mean, there's even psychological impacts from, from doing it every day because you, you feel like you're ingesting testosterone every day. Yeah. Um, so, the, the, you know, there's there's all sorts of factors that play into this. The only thing that I say is cu- I'm curious about is on a, in a TRT situation, would this actually end up creating lower circulating levels? Yeah. And, and I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we start seeing TRT dosing creeping up any more than it already is, bear in mind that there's, there's people now reporting 200 and 300 milligram a week but saying they're staying in range, which shouldn't be happening, quite frankly. It just shouldn't happen. Yeah, I've worked with one guy that needed 300 per week. He also had a lot of his, you know, like he was a very unique individual too. Like you could see in his physique, like he struggled to get in shape. He struggled to grow muscle. Um, and, and then we discovered that like he really was truly not a very good responder, you know. But that was literally one guy out of you know everybody now, I've worked with over a decade. Was that dosing based on his response or was that dosing based on his bloods? It was based on his bloods. Yeah. No, and it okay. was through a TRT doctor. Like they actually prescribed him three hundred per week. Yeah, I very rarely come across anyone that would need that level of dosing to Me maintain too. a natural range. Me too. Fact, I don't think I ever have actually. Yeah, I could see that. So yeah, he was a really weird you know, really unique situation. He also had a lot of issues clearing estrogen too. So uh, mm-hmm. he just had a, like a lot of, you know, difficult time overall. But anyway, like I said, I just wanted to bring that up uh, and just kind of get a little bit of thought and insight from you on microdosing versus, uh, you know, bolus dosing or TRT. I definitely think that the, the one shot every two weeks is very outdated today. And we know that, you know, you're, you're going to spend half that time, with really low test and half of it probably feeling pretty good, but I wouldn't say that taking it all the way to the extreme of microdosing every day for most people, at least to start out, isn't going to be something that's going to benefit everyone. No, I, I don't. I think for most people, there'll be very little difference in how they feel between twice a week and every day or every other day, but it's whatever floats your boat, I suppose. Agreed. All right, so we had one more little mini topic here, and that was uh, drugs in the news. Listen to that. I got our I got our music cued right up. It's on the live show now. Uh, we had a story here, Dave. Uh, this is related to a professional baseball player. Um, so this gentleman, uh, Fernando Tatis, was suspended for 80 games 
for a positive drug test. Now, what was interesting is he was using a drug that I'm not very familiar with, uh, cholesterol. So I didn't know anything about this. I started doing a little bit of digging. Uh, first of all, what, what the F are we even looking at? This is not a popular drug. No, it, it's it's a test derivative. Um, it's got a four chlora, which means it doesn't aromatize. It's not seventeen alkylated, but it's got a really, really weak profile. Um, it was originally used in treatment of osteoporosis, and I believe it, it found popularity even for stuff like liver conditions and various other aspects, but mainly, particularly in the older oh. people. Um, I mean, I, if I get this right, and I might have got these mixed up, I think its anabolic value was about 40, 45, and its androgenic value was about 20. Compare so, that, mean, this is, like, what's that compared to testosterone so that people... Test, test, test is 100 to 100. Okay, so, like, low to low, you know? It's it's weak as piss. It's, it's, it's the bottom line of it. It is weak as piss. And have you ever uh, seen it, like, on in, in a list or anything no. like that? Yeah, me either. No, I mean it never. It was never particularly popular within ASS circles for the simple reason of it was so weak. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously because of its setup, it is incredibly mild from a sides point of view as well. Um, it comes as either oral or injectable, um, but you don't have the usual oral issues of it being alkylated. Um, it, it's 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 odd stuff, and it's definitely. Unless there's some potential benefit from a detection point of view, I, I really struggle to see a reason why somebody would move to it. So, okay, I got a little bit more information, and I'm truly wondering if this was a legitimate accident. Like, we always see the people who are like, oh, I, I, I ate a taco, and I tested positive for trend. You know, we and, and there's so many people that are, like, trying to cover up. They're like, I don't know how that Winstrel got in my system. I was just using the sports supplement. In this case, he said he had ringworm and he was using a cream, okay? And I looked into it a little, just slightly, and it looks like there are benefits using it topically and that it's been available in a topical. So could my question is, could this be a legitimate case where somebody truly did make a mistake, you know, because it's not like he's getting much out of it from what it sounds like you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, obviously, the argument is that as a professional athlete, you're responsible for everything you put in your body, and the responsibility is for you to know what a medication contains. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, it may be that the 80-game ban is is a lenient one. I don't know. I don't know what bans they generally dish out for, for you know, positive drug tests in the States, but that may be that it, it, it is being taken into consideration and his ban is lenient in comparison to what he may have got if he was caught dosing with Winston. Right? I don't know. It's interesting. So I watched a little bit of an interview with him and, and he was very apologetic and he said they, and he did say like, it was my responsibility to know what I was putting in my body and I made a mistake, but it's so crazy because like, okay, so this is a comment from that, the video, the interview and, uh, I think people are really seeing this as like he did the same thing as Barry Bonds or anybody else. She says, I'm a Dodger fan and Tatis is one of my idols. When the news broke out, I was devastated and disappointed. I know when he comes back, he will be better. The MLB needs him. So I really feel like 
a lot of people don't quite get this. They just see it as another steroid case, another baseball player who got popped for using steroids. When I'm, I kind of wonder, he said he had ringworm or something. I kind of wonder if this is like a legit mistake. Well, I mean, that's that's press, isn't it? Press. He tested positive for an anabolic steroid, which technically <laughs> yeah. is correct. He did. Yeah. He tested positive for the shittiest one you could think of. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, they, yeah. They need you on this interview. They need you. Like, the you know, uh, ESPN needs to phone in to Dave and be like, Dave, can you tell us about this cholesterol ball? I just, I, I don't, I don't get the thought process behind using it. Um, yeah. I, I say I, I don't get why that would be the drug of choice, but people do weird shit, mate. So you know, I mean, fuck me. I know people drink their own fucking piss because they think it's good for them. So I've heard of that, man. This is yeah. interesting. I don't know who this is because it just comes up as Facebook user. But he said, uh, um, Glover Texaria, I don't know who that is, used to come in, obviously a sports person, used to come into vitamin shop that I ran. He literally took pics of every supplement he took and sent them to WADA. That's a smart athlete. Pros know if they're taking shit, and most of them are or have. When I was in college, literally most of the starting defense on the football team was on gas. Uh, nobody tested positive, but yeah, that's interesting, man. I mean, think of that, you know, anything you take, cause like, it's hard to trust a lot of the supplement companies out there. And I, I think this is something completely different, but I'd be scared to take any supplements that were even remotely gray area. If I knew I were going to be tested for literally everything under the sun, like they literally had to have a test for this. It's not like, cause there's not like just a general steroid test. Is there like, oh. They no. specifically are testing for each one of these things, which is crazy. Uh, it's, yeah, it is quite surprising that that would even be on the radar of, of the testing. Yeah. All right. Well, I thought I'd bring those two little uh, tidbits to the show. And, of course, guys, we have all your listener questions. Uh, if, if you're in the U.K., check out Eval. You can get all your lab work done by Dave over there because Eval is sponsoring this portion of the show. Are we? You, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll I'll, uh, I'll send you a bill. It'll be in the uh. it'll be in the mail. Okay. Question for the next show: uh, Best things to take for fat loss that have no effect whatsoever on hormones, whether that be natural or or pharma product, etc. Should taking gear after seven years, eight months clean, and trying to restore natural levels, uh, and want to trim up some at some point in the future? Uh, when hormones are better, many thanks. So he's looking for right. fat burners. Uh, right. Just just before we we get into this, let's let's get one thing straight. You don't need a fat burner to lose weight. Yeah. You can do it completely naturally. You don't need any compounds. You can just eat less and move fucking more, <laughs> uh, and it it will work. You know, it, it's I think. Because particularly if you're a previous anabolic user, we developed this. I need a chemical because I'm doing X, Y, Z. Yeah, um, and it, it is just quite simply is not necessary. Don't get me wrong. You want to get three, four percent, then the lean towards using a chemical becomes much, much stronger. Yeah, but if you just want to trim up, you know, get down into the low end double digits or possibly high end singles, then that is completely achievable naturally. 
uh, and natural bodybuilding do it week in, week out, and, and generally within the natural divisions, condition is actually much, much better than in the assisted divisions. I've seen that. So I've seen that. It, it's, you know, it, it's not that it's not possible. Having said all that, um, if I was looking for a fat burner as a dirty, stinking natty, I would probably go towards Clen. Yeah. Mainly because of the muscle preservative element of it rather than T3, which is going to be non-preserving of muscle. You know, there's people who argue against that and say it was just in rats, etc. I do think there is a preserving effect to Clen or, the... or something about it. I do really believe that. I've used it with many people who were otherwise natural, and there is more than just a fat loss effect that I've seen with other, you know, compared to other fat burners. I, I think... Even if so, yeah. The the studies showed actually showed muscle progression in in the rat studies. Yeah, and that was proven that didn't carry over to to humans. But I believe they also said that it it was preservative. It just wouldn't increase muscle mass, which was the original claims on Clint. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, okay, let's just say for argument's sake, Clen has no muscle preservative properties whatsoever. We know for a fact. T3 is the complete opposite of that. It'll burn it up. It'll burn everything it, up. It will reduce muscle mass. So that being said, you know, cleanse is a very good option. If you want a, a milder approach, then I suppose you'd possibly be looking at T5s. Which is, um, explain, explain that to our U.S. people. Please. Oh, sorry, I forgot. It's not an American product. Either. So T5 is um, ECAs or EPA, whatever you call it, ephedrine, caffeine, and aspirin. Yes. Um, so obviously that's a potential fat burning stat that's quite decent as well. But again, when you start using stimulants for fat loss, you are increasing calorific burn, and as a result of that, you are increasing the risk to your tissue. Yeah. In a sense of tissue loss. Excuse me a second. Uh-oh, Dave broke something on his headphones. No. I just have a very lopsided head. Oh, I see it. Yeah. You just got to tilt your head sideways and nobody will notice. The other way. Yeah. There you go. Looks balanced. Just hold your head like that yeah. the, the whole show. It's fine. The, the worrying thing is the gaps on either side are exactly the same. So I obviously have a, is a it, lopsided head. Is it your head. head? It must be. We didn't notice that before. No. <laughs> I have a lopsided head. Oh, hey, I have something I need to show you, by the way. Oh, please, not again, Scott. You know the pictures got banned. <laughs> this is uh, this is thanks to Phil. He reached out to me on Instagram. <coughs> he was like, hey, man. He was like, um, I got something I wanted to send to you. I always feel awkwardly. I don't want to take free stuff from people and all that. But he uh, he sent me this. And I have to say thank you. <laughs> that is brilliant. I got a for those of you listening on audio, uh Phil sent me a Christmas cabbage shirt. I think this is a one of a kind. We still need to get to making t shirts, by the way. You know everyone's gonna want one of well not maybe not everyone, but Matt is definitely gonna want one of them t shirts now. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was getting a tattoo. Matt Matt was. I, I hope he doesn't. I think that would be a really big mistake. As much as we enjoy Christmas cabbage uh, and uh, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if it would be a good move. Dave, you could get a Christmas cabbage tattoo and nobody would even notice because you have all those other tattoos and stuff on your arms. You could just fit them like a, like one of those 
pictures where there's like a hidden thing in it. You could have like a hidden Christmas cabbage in there. Nobody would know. Yeah, I'm done with tattoos. Well, I want to say thank you to Phil, though. I appreciate it, man. And uh, we will come up with a T-shirt plan soon. Um, I think a good. No, we, pl- no, we won't. We'll talk about it and we'll do fuck all. <laughs> I think. Like what do you think? Always, like we always do. Here's what we need. We need like a good slogan on it. I'm thinking that we use just the one word, and it's spelled O X E H. Oxa. <laughs> that's my that's my idea. Somebody, well, somebody commented Oxa. I right. I've got to be nice. I don't feel that is a very good idea, Scott. <laughs> oh my god, he's trying so hard. It's turning so hard because it's my birthday. (laughs) All right. We'll move on with the show. But once again, I I appreciate it, Phil. That was very nice. And if you have any ideas for a good slogan on our T-shirt, please let us know. Um, Up next, Trey has one for us. Uh, Question for the show. Do you think I would need an AI on a cycle of 300 to 400 milligrams of test E only? Thanks. And I love the show. Keep up the good work. Would your estrogen level be out of range? Yes. Would you personally be sensitive to that? That depends on you. Yeah. Um, I would suspect estrogen levels... I'm going to speak English now, so you'll have to do an American conversion to this. But I would expect estrogen levels of that to be 250-ish. I don't know how that relates, but I would say, though, that... So I think our levels will go up to like forty or thirty something. So if you want that, if you want that in conversion, you're looking at about sixty. Okay, that's not bad. <clears throat> no, I mean some people will tolerate that fine. A, a lot of people won't. Um, so um, it will depend on your personal toleration of estrogen as to whether that becomes a problem, but. Uh, it is potential that you get away with three to four hundred mega tests without without an AI from a point of view of sides. Yeah, but there is no way your estrogen levels are not going to be elevated on that dose. Agreed. Okay, so yeah, ten to forty picograms per milliliter is what we're looking at in the U.S. I tested once at um, two hundred on that scale. I didn't even know, man. Like, I didn't even know. I was running my old cycle. No AI. It's 200. Granted, if my goal would have been to lose fat at that time, having estrogen that high would have potentially gotten in the way. If if his goal is to lose fat, I would consider getting your estrogen better managed, you know? Yes. Yes. All right. What else we got here, Dave? Um, question for the next show. You guys have a fantastic knowledge about all the anabolics, steroids we talk about. And I know that a lot of it has come from your usage and your research. But I was whoa, wondering... Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm a lifetime Nazi. You are? Yeah. So what was the under construction films about? No, no, no. Was that, that just was a just, mistake? Yeah, that was just TV shit. That was just made for TV. Yeah. You're an actor that plays Dave Crossland. Hmm. Okay. I got it. I got it. 
Uh, but I was wondering, is there any books or sites or anywhere I could find to learn more and learn the truth, not just bro science, keep up the fantastic show and knowledge you guys give us? I, I think, you know what, for a non... I mean, you've got stuff like the Underground Steroid Handbook uh, and, uh, you know, real iconic pieces of literature like that. Yeah. But I, I think... You can't go far wrong with William Llewellyn. Um, as a base introduction into what anabolics do in the system, how a PCT works, what shutdown is, and, and the basic, you know, bones of anabolics. And, I mean, it does form, in particular, it is a huge reference manual for the different types of drugs. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, I mean, people seem to shy away from it because they think because it's a research and it's William and everything else. And, yeah, he has got a bit commercial and there is a little bit of a buy my product tinge to the book in places. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still an incredible reference base. Um, I, have to and ask, I think it serves as a very good base knowledge piece of literature. Is he still coming out with new versions of that book? Because I know he's had the like last, updated ones. The uh, I think the last one was version eleven. Okay. And that was a couple of years ago, two three years ago. Okay. Yeah. And they they go for that's the the mad thing as well. The, like the older copies go for silly money. Really. Yeah, it must he must just do a limited production run, but the older copies do go for for good money. But then, you know, there's there's, there's definitely there's break the code, which is okay. I don't agree with certain elements of that, but it's not bad. Yeah. Um, and then you've got you've got Broderick's got ebooks that he's produced that are quite decent. Um, if you really want some of the rare shit, then try and look for um, um, oh fuck, name's gone. Paul Borison's books. Paul Borison oh. did about three books, which were which were very interesting reading. A bit extreme, but very yeah. interesting reading. Dan Duchesne. Da Dan Duchesne stuff, yeah. So yeah. there's there's a, there's some good stuff out there, but if you want something that's more clinical, yeah. I'd start with I'd start with anabolics. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the latest one was from October 1st, 2017. That's the Anabolics 11th edition in paperback. It's $80 US. Um, and you get it free overnighted to you if you have Amazon Prime. It does um, It does an ebook version of it as well, which is like, you know, 10 bucks or something. It's not a lot. Okay. I would agree with you. You know, it's 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 a great place to start, you know, and I, and I will tell everybody too that a lot of that stuff, these are things I think that um, I know I myself learned years ago. And then over time, I have I was talking about this with Andrew Barry and Skip Hill on text the other day. Like, I forget a lot more than I've learned at this point, you know. And I think part of that is is because there's so much of the basics that you that don't really apply to the real world. Like, maybe you understand, like, the anabolic ratio of trend to how that differs from mastoron or testosterone. And that's a good foundation to understand that before you use any of it. But then once you get into it, you just have that real world working knowledge, which then you build off of. And that old stuff doesn't really matter as much anymore, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, I will still refer to, to anabolics occasionally, particularly if I'm wanting to look up because 
the, when he does the compound profiles, hmm. he does a bit of historical context with them. Okay. Um, so it, it can help in a sense because if you're looking for research around that compound, you can then start looking at that pharma company that produced it and therefore ah. the research that they have attached to that product. So quite often, sometimes knowing the, um, you know, the branded names of anabolics when they were produced as pharmaceutical products helps you get into more research about their effects and what they've done and studies that have been done on them. Interesting. I will say this. I feel like, and I mentioned Andrew and Skip, you differ from them in, in that mindset of real world, real world practicality in that you you obviously have your own experience but you also i think are what's the word i'm looking for it's like you're almost you're you appreciate the history of it the you know you're almost a historian of like the way i enjoy guns and i like to know about like how a gun was made and where it came from and how it was used like you you have you hold on to that knowledge i think because you enjoy that history almost i i think for me in, in a way science. it helps I think it helps me remember the compounds. So I, I don't think it's any more than it's just the fact that it gives that compound an identity. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. You know, like Parabolin. Well, yeah, Parabolin, that's Trenhex. Um, and most people just know it's Trenhex, where for me it's like, yeah, it was produced by the French company. You know, it went out of action, XYZ, 70s drug really more than anything. Um uh, originally dose of 78 milligrams per, per mil. Uh, and those bits help me remember the compound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't have a particularly good memory, and my memory recall is even fucking worse. Um, so if I can add a story to something, it makes it easy for me to remember it. It's funny, guys, because before we started the show and I mentioned the, the steroids in the news with the cholesterol ball or whatever it's called, I was like, Dave, you ever hear of this? He was like, Oh yeah, I know all about it. It was like, <laughs> well, I, I would say I know all Not, about it. You didn't it, say you knew all about it, but you had a lot more information than I did. That's for sure. But that's that's the thing. I mean, cholesterol ball stands out in particular because it is so shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's why it's so memorable because it is so shit. Yeah. It's just like, um, but yeah, the, the stories just um, add some context to them and make it easier for me to remember. Cool. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Got one from Thomas. He says, hey, guys, thanks for your show. I made a crazy amount of progress on 300 tests and didn't use an AI. Kind of relates to that last question. Uh, if I was going to add NPP to my next cycle, how would you guys structure the cycle to try and avoid needing an AI? Thanks. I would suspect that with the NPP added in, you will need an AI. Two, two reasons. Firstly, it converts to estrogen, though not at the same ratio of test, nowhere near. It's about a fifth of it, but it still converts to estrogen. The other issue then is because we have a dopamine um, reduction from NPP, we're going to have a prolactin spike, which in turn is going to increase the number of estrogen receptors at the nipple and the sensitivity of those receptors. So you're going to become more sensitive to the estrogen you already have. Hmm. So I do think you will probably find that if you added in MPP, even if you did 100 milligram EOD, you may find you end up requiring a mild AI of some nature. You could probably get this from Proviron or Aromacin. I don't think you'd go any stronger than that. But I think the 
the sum of the parts will actually equal a greater effect than the individual parts on their own. Okay. Yeah. Because of the interactions that are going on with prolactin and everything else. It'll be a different ball game, you know, that mm. that's for sure. It won't be simply. So if you looked at it this way, so we go right testosterone, 300 milligrams producers, and I'm going to talk in PMOL. So you, I'm sorry, but I can't be bothered converting it. So my 300 milligram produces 200, 200 PMOL of estrogen, and I tolerate that very well. So if I'm going to put 300 milligrams of MPP in, then it, it converts to 20% to rate. So argument's sake, I should only be adding another 60 PMOL to that. Um, when in fact, the effect of that, because of the other change in the background, would possibly be the equivalent of 300, 320 PMOL estrogen mm. in how it affects you. So I don't think you're going to get this linearage off it, and I do think you'll need you'll need to run some sort of mild AI. The alternative, though it's a big jump from a dosing point of view, is that you could potentially look at running Masteron so that you get some anti or DHT, so you get some anti estrogen from one of the compounds you're using, rather than adding an AI on top. But don't be scared of AIs. There, there seems to be this hate on AIs and they're not terrible things they have a job to do and like anything else respect them use them correctly you know they'll do what you need them to do and benefit you yeah I'd agree with that what about boron does it really lower SHBG and E2 enough to control uh, not enough to consider taking while on TRT or cycle it it does seem to work quite well on SHBG, um, and I've seen boron actually medically prescribed really? on TRT people, yeah, um, to try and lower SHBG. I'm not so sure on the E2 front, but yeah. definitely on the SHBG, um, I do feel it, it could be beneficial. Um, but again, it's one of them things, you know, quality of product, personal individuality, is always going to play a role, but yes, the, the 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 proposed mechanisms and claims around boron do actually carry through to a large extent on on people. Yeah, around like ten, twelve milligrams I've seen makes a really big difference in free test. Mm -hmm. yeah, even for guys, even for guys that are natural, you know, you could mm -hmm. get a, a bump out of that. Yeah, definitely. Nick Davis, Davies, Scott McNally, are you going to compete? In master's class at next year's Fit Expo, I met him out there at the show. Well, they they do a they do a men's physique masters, mate. I'm not competing in men's physique, Dave. Actually, your men's physique guys get to pose. Like we don't pose. I think we talked about that once before. Men's physique, you just stand there in the front, look pretty, turn around, look pretty. Turn around in the front, look pretty. There's no front double bicep like you guys do. Well, there you go then. You know, it'd be easy for you. I'd have to get in shape. And there's that. Round is a shape. <laughs> All right. What else do we have here? Um, it says, uh, hello. Can you stack Halo and Winnie for the last two weeks uh, before the competition? I'm doing trend. Mast and Halo, and wondering if I should stack Winstrel on top of that, or is it overkill? Thanks, guys. Great show. Love to listen to you guys. Love from Norway. 
shout out to this guy for finding all that gear in Norway. That in itself was a magical feat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. yeah. Rich life and limb for that fucker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, my first question is why? What's your causation for wanting to add a winstrel to the stack? Do you do you feel you need to? Um, you know, is is the do you feel your progesterone is elevated? Is 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 there something you're looking from winstrel, or is it just because winstrel is a proper pre stage, a popular pre stage drug, and so you're thinking I'll throw this in the mix? And also, where are you with your physique? You know, are you happy? Are you in a place? Is it is everything where you want it to be? Yeah. Because uh, I am a, a, a great believer in, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fucking fix it. I don't know. I was talking to someone about this. Actually, it was the other week about peak weeks and, and carb loading and, and all this sort of stuff. And I was saying that if a physique is where I want it to be, I'm going to be reluctant to do with this huge final week manipulation because, oh, why, man, why do I need to? I got red drink on my new shirt. Sorry. That's why you don't... I can't wear white shirts, Dave. Sorry. Well, you you obviously can't drink as well because you missed that great big bloody mouth and bought it all down your top. All right. Sorry. I, I agree with you, though. I was just listening, and then that happened. I just, you know, so we, we, we tend to do... I, I think it's very healthy that when you do stuff, particularly with drugs, that you sit and go, why? Yeah. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this because everybody else does? Am I doing this because it's fashionable, it's trendy, it's on point at the moment? Or do I actually have a need for this before you make the decision of whether you're going to do it or not? Yeah. I don't know how things go everywhere in the world, but I would say in general in the United States, the way that it's been is test trend masked. That's kind of the bread and butter of a contest, <clears throat> contest prep. If you want to add an oral in, then the next one is usually like a winstrel, maybe Anivar, but generally winstrel. And then Halo at the very end, if you were to use that, where he's doing Halo already and he's thinking about adding in the winstrel. I think to get a really good benefit out of winstrel, you want to be on it for at least 21 days. My personal experience you want to get that hard, dry, crisp look that it provides. It's going to take a few weeks to really get that look. Um, I guess it depends yeah, on it's how much. Not, it's, it's not going to work in, in, in lieu of being fat. No, of course not. No. <laughs> if, you're not if you're not lean, it doesn't matter how much winstrel you take. Ain't changing that. <laughs> no. And, you know, also, if you're already fucking nails, like if you're already peeled, like, and I, I think that that's part of where, you know, you're also saying, Dave, like, look at where you're at. If you're already as hard as you can, pot, like if you don't, and, and I had, I think back to a situation where I was competing mm -hmm. and I had discussed with somebody adding more trend and he was like, well, you, you don't need to get harder at this point, you know, but in my head, I'm thinking like, well, what would make me better? You know, maybe more trend would help. And his thought was a guy I really respect. He said, oh, you don't need to get harder. I'm a month out. You're hard enough. And, and I knew it at that point. I was like, I'm going to probably be the hardest guy on stage. That doesn't mean I'm going to win. But would it benefit me to add something else in to make me, you know, that would add to hardness if you're already as hard as you need to be? I think that in some cases, in situations like that, maybe we need more fullness. 
you know, and maybe it, that's going to be more to do with food, but super draw and a draw. Yeah. Oxy. Yes, exactly. Thank I, you. I, I think, yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's, there's few things on that. I mean, I have a client at the moment who competes next weekend and it's not because he's looking for drugs to fix problems, but he's asked loads of questions. What about this? What about that? Because that's what he sees everyone else do. Yeah. Just matter of fact. And I'm like, you don't need it. You know what I mean? He's, do you remember that? I can't remember the guy, but do you remember that picture of that guy that's shredded? And he, he looks like a frigging turkey from the back. Which one? So there was, he did the rounds for ages. He's absolutely naked. He's got a walnut ass and he just looks like a turkey. I, I might know. I mean, I think I know of a picture that I'm thinking of that like yeah. shredded glutes, everything. Yeah. He's not a million miles from that. Okay. And I'm like, look, what you need to do is just eat some carbs and load up. Yeah. Because obviously he's incredibly depleted at this point. Uh, and it was like, so. I've done a four-day load, four-and-a-half-day load, not done a two-day load, which he normally did. And it's like, well, why are we why are we doing so long on a load? Because, you know, you've been – we've pushed him. we brought him in early. We've pushed him hard to get him this late. Yeah. If I try and dump a load of food in in two days, you know what's going to happen. He's going to blow. He's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a mess. So we're going to trickle it in over a longer period of time. But, you know, it's like, well, do I need this? Do I need that? No. Yeah. What, what about diuretics? No, you're lean. You don't need anything. Just eat. Yeah. I find diuretics can mess things up if you're oh, that peeled, you know? Massively. And yet people just, they people just because everybody else does it, they think it's necessary. Yeah. And, and, and really, to be honest, I mean, water manipulation, though I have done a little bit of a water load with him, but water information diuretics are usually in there because you're not lean enough. Yeah. And you're trying to manipulate those water levels so that your fat levels appear less. You have to be absolutely perfect, though, to not change anything. You know what I mean? Like, if he's that good, then, yeah, just don't don't change he's anything. He's in a lovely place. But, and you know, you get this all the time. Well, yeah, but – and I understand it. You know, you're in comp prep. Your head's up your arse. You're tired. You're hungry. You're you're getting all these insecurities, you know. All of us. One minute you're brilliant, next minute you're shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, your head's going sideways. But no, you know, when you consider adding things in, either off season or pre comp, do I need it? What am I going to get for it? Why am I doing it? Yeah, not sure. just because everybody says so. Agreed. Agreed. Can you do it? Sure, you know, but it, this would be a situation. I don't, I don't necessarily check labs a ton going into a contest, but if I were already running an oral, I might consider getting my labs done. Let's see where my liver values are before I consider adding in another one, even if it's only for the last 10 days, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, what else we got here? Ben says, hey, lads, I have an unusual one. Um, so I can get my hands onto a batch a bulk batch of EQ and DECA. Uh, I can also get my hands on D-Ball as well. I have one vial of test sip with EQ not breaking down to E2 and DECA being estrogenic. What's your opinion on an EQ and DECA cycle? Um, where should I start with the ratios or should I just wait for more test at the, as this won't work? 
My concerns wouldn't be about estrogen. My concerns would be about DHT. What do you mean? Well, obviously, a lot of our primary functions are based around DHT. Okay. Um, obviously, EQ converts to DHB and DECA converts to DHN. I'm not sure how that will feel having yeah. those two conversions in place and not having DHT in there. I'd want more tests. Even if it was just a TRT level or, or a couple of hundred milligrams a week, I'm reluctant to run cycles without just at least a baseline functional level of TAT, THT production in there. He does say he has one vial of test SIP. So he could get away with a mill a week and run a 10-week cycle. How much EQ and DECA would you run with one mill a test, though? Well, I, you know what? You can run DECA quite high as long as you've got it. You, yeah, again, there's going to be personal sensitivities to this, but I've I've seen people cope very, very well with 200 mega test and six, 800 mega DECA. Okay. Um, but I also know, and, and, and I know someone who claims to be absolutely wrecked on 100 mega DECA. Hmm. They, 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 they claim all sorts of problems off it. I, that, I can only say that it's, you know, I'm taking at the word. I was very surprised and found it difficult to understand how it would be what they were talking about. But yeah, they claim ridiculous. They were they were doing it split into shots, and I think they were only taking 30 milligrams at a time. Yeah. And they were literally claiming the next day they were having all sorts of mental health problems. And, and yet, as soon as they stopped the decade, they all went away. You mentioned that the other day. Yeah, last yeah. show, I think. Huh. Yeah, so you know, it's there will always be weird situations, but a lot of people tolerate, you know, just some test, and they can tolerate quite high decker. Funnily enough, um, I was talking to someone the other week, and they were saying that they seem to find that when people ran low test and low decker, they had problems. Uh -huh. But as the DECA dosage increased, the problems got less. Hmm. Scott Stevenson had a um, a theory as to why like a high DECA cycle might work. But he's also going to talk about boron. Uh, I couldn't what, get into what was, it. Was, it, was, it was that um, at a certain point, you're not going to be able to convert to DHN anymore. Like if you just rammed so much DECA into your system that you only have so much aromatase. It's, they're only going to break down so much DECA to DHN, which is going to take place of the DHT. That's going to take precedence. You know, it's, it's, it's going to attach to the DHT uh, receptor, mm -hmm. right? And that that's going to cause us the quote-unquote DECA dick problems. But if you were to just raise that dose of DECA so high, you'll be taking more DECA than you can convert to DHN. So possibly you're getting like, I think he was saying like direct DECA then instead. Because 5AR is limited in its conversion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I can see that being possible. And and I mean, to be honest, for most people, DECA DIC isn't DHEM based. DECA DICs because they can't manage estrogen or prolactin within the cycles. Yeah. Um, I've not seen that many people that have had genuine problems from DHN. I agree that I feel like if you can, and that's what I've seen in my experience with myself and others, that if you can manage 
uh, estrogen while on DECA, you're more likely going to not have issues with DECA. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if there's just a point where there's that much DHN floating around in your system that even though it's much weaker than DHT, the cumulative effect of such high levels of DHN end up having a positive impact enough to maintain normal libido, even if you don't start going supercharged on the sex front. Yeah. Um, I had asked uh, uh, Vigorous Steve about uh, cholesterol. He had said cholesterol, I guess you'd say. I, can't, I have, For some reason, I have a hard time with that one. Uh I said, asked him because he had done a video about it and he said, nope, never met anyone who had used it themselves. Some reports on the steroid forums, but all I could really find is that people in the Olympics were popping hot for it and blaming it on eye drops or antifungal creams. And that sounds like what this guy, <laughs> sounds like that's what happened to this guy. So, so it could have been, though it, it could be genuine, it could also be a, a choice of drug because there was an out. Yeah, there I guess that's plausible, possible. There's a plausible medical excuse was why it might be in his system. That, that's possible, but I'm thinking it was because he said he had ringworm. So yeah, it could be. It could be genuine, or or it could be a case of I know if I take this, this is contained in that medication, so I can blame it on that medication. Ah. thank you, Steve. We just read your comment live on the podcast. Appreciate your insight, brother. All right, um, let's see what else we had here. We had a few more. Yeah. What? Were you thinking of something? You got that look on your uh, face. I was just wondering why don't we have him on one day? We should. You're we friends should. with him. I don't particularly know him, but why don't we have him on one day? Let's do that. We can introduce him to Christmas cabbage. Yeah. How much oil do you guys think you lose? Oh, if you switch to a new needle after pulling it out of the bottle. 0.2 ml. Between 1.1 to 0.2 ml. I've measured it. But don't stress about it. There's yeah. far worse things you're doing that are impacting your growth apart from losing that 10th or 5th, sorry, that 5% or 10% of your injection. Here's a trick, though. So you have that dead space in the needle, right? You stick it in, draw your oil out, take this, the uh, vial off. Before you switch the pin, pull the plunger back. You know what I'm saying? Get all the oil down into the syringe out of the dead space, pull it back, and then switch the needle and then push the air out. Right? Yeah, but yeah, okay. Or just don't care. If you're Dave Crossland, you've got like literally a garbage can full of empty vials. You're using one like every day almost. You just draw it all up, sh take the shot, and throw yeah. the vial away. You're still losing the needle content of oil when you inject. Oh. Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you are. Unless you were to like put an air bubble, and I've heard people talk about, should I do this? Have an air bubble in the bottom of the syringe so they can, yeah, not a good idea. Well, it's not even that. I mean, it will have no effect if no. you're doing a correct IM, but it's just like, come on, there's, there's, there's bigger fish to fry here in your training and diet than this. Yeah. We just talked about this one. Because you mentioned this the other day, Squat Till You Puke said, uh, could Dave talk about how to manage a DECA cycle and not get erectile dysfunction? It's the only reason I never did DECA. I cannot afford to be limp. What does he mean he cannot afford to be limp? Like, Is he a porn star? I wonder, or a male escort? 
Possibly. Mm. Gay for pay? Possibly. Huh. And how how do you know you're going to be limp? A lot of questions his question has brought up. You know what I mean? It has, yes. We we need answers. We do. We do. All right. Let's see what else we got here. I think we're losing Dave just a little bit. He's back. All right. Yeah, it's a bit weird, though. Rodney says, uh, discussion for the next podcast. Could you and Dave discuss targeted fat loss, specifically Helios? Uh, how could you use dosage and methods of targeted fat loss? Oh, he also says, like, cool sculpting, laser lipo, and ultrasound caviation. I don't know what that is. I haven't got a clue because I don't know any of that shit. So we know about Helios. Yeah, but I, I, I mean, that's not going to do targeted fat loss. Helios? No. You really think it does? I've seen people say that it does, but I don't really. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bank on that. That's for sure. You know. The only thing I've seen that that does actually is PGF two A in a in a cream. Okay. Um, I've seen that topically lose fat, um, but uh, it's not the easiest stuff to fucking live with. You've told us the stories about that, yeah. um, but other than that, I, I've I've not seen. And the thing is, what I generally found is, if you have an area that predominantly has greater levels of fat, you will lose body fat as and how your body feels it's going to go, unfortunately. You can't sort of change that very easily. Yeah. So say for argument, say you hold fat on your waist. You're not still going to hold fat on your waist when you're you're absolutely shredded. You know, it will start to come down as you get leaner. And unfortunately, the only thing you can do, and we've discussed this with women um, in leg condition, yeah, is get lean and then let yourself come back up. And when you let yourself come back, you'll find it much more evenly dispersed. Guy I work with, Julian, he has um, a substantial amount of low back fat. And we've gotten him shredded. And the first place that fat goes is to his low back when we start filling back out. And it's like, for him, we just have to watch him. The rest of his body can be in good shape. I just need to watch his low back because that's the last place to come in for him. And it's it's way more low back fat than a lot of people have to deal with. So I know, like, I don't care how the rest of him looks. Our limitation is how much fat he gains in his low back, you know? Well, you, you see some people that compete as well, don't you? They look at their best body part for their condition. Well, I always look at the worst body part for, for their condition. Of course, yeah. Oh, yeah, vigorous I would look, Steve. I would look, look at the shitty stuff. Vigorous Steve said, woo, live on drugs and stuff. I'm famous. Yeah, we should bring him on. That'd be fun. He would enjoy the show. He's He, he listens and he watches the podcasts, too. Um, oh, a comment from the last episode. Connor says, slushy machine and cupcakes. Dave, we demand pizza. You got to bring a pizza oven. Can you get a, can, are you allowed to bring a pizza oven to an expo even? Oh, fuck, mate. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. the, the health, the health, we've had to do the health and safety bollocks today. What a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, right, you're allowed to bring your vehicle in from this time to this time. If you overrun that time slot then you get charged x amount fucking half hour um what was that that was my phone i forgot to put it on song what was that song it was groovy i have no idea 
You did that on purpose. That was your favorite song, wasn't it? No, no, no. I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, I'm not even going near a pizza oven. You can fuck right off. <laughs> All right. We'll get this thing wrapped up. Let me see if we have anything in the live feed, and uh, we'll call it good from there. Alfonso's with us. Um, how do you guys feel about fruit? High glycemic, low glycemic? Does it really matter for fat loss? Um, do you use it on a bulk or just stay away from it in general? Man, a lot of fruit comments or questions lately, just overall on the on the programming. Personally, I have no issue with fruit, but I would put it with a meal rather than have it standalone. Yep, I would too. I would too. It's gonna, you know, you're gonna slow, you're gonna lower the glycemic index of any carb if you pair it with a protein. And, you know, I'd put everything with a protein. Like, as a bodybuilder, you don't just eat a piece of fruit. You don't just eat a carb. You always have a meal, and it has a protein, possibly a fat, and that's going to change how fast something releases. Many, 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 many moons ago, I don't know where I gained this information, but I was under the impression, I mean, we're talking 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. I, I was under the impression that you only really, that, Carbs were utilized in a more acidic environment and proteins were utilized in a more alkaline environment. Or it may have been the opposite way around. I can't remember. Hmm. So I went on this endeavor that one meal I ate only carbs, next meal I ate only proteins. Really? Hmm. Huh. Never heard that before. No, I don't know where I got it from. All right, a couple more here. Corey says, uh, hey, guys, I had a distal bicep tendon surgery two weeks ago to repair a total tear. I had already dropped my testos to 100 milligrams a week. This keeps me around 500 nanograms per deciliter, which is kind of like lower middle of the road for us in the U.S. Uh, this uh, Is there any benefit uh, for healing, bringing it up to the higher side of the reference range? Also, is there any point in just training the other side? I would say yes. Bringing it up is going to have an impact on recovery. Um, I would... I'd be wary of exercising the non-injured side beyond just general maintenance stuff. Yeah, there was a study done that showed, um, and this is another Scott Stevenson thing, a study showing that if you were to exercise the healthy side, that you will retain more muscle on the on the casted or damaged side. Which is I would crazy. just be—I just wouldn't go overly intense. Yeah, you know, I, I would I'd, agree. I keep it at a more of a maintenance training. Yeah, I totally agree. But I would do it. What about uh, you know other other things that he could use? What about say something because testosterone doesn't improve collagen synthesis. If anything, doesn't it downregulate it? So what about if he added in like a little bit of Anivar or Deca? Say. I thought he said he had a. Sorry, did he have a full detachment? I thought it was a musculature. Yeah, he said. A, I think he said. Oh, a tendon surgery. Yeah, sorry, yeah. tendon surgery. I apologize. Uh, yeah, a bit of Deca, a bit of PPC, a bit of TB are all going to help with that. Uh, collagen itself uh, isn't going to be a bad shout either. Uh, and just a, a, a sensible rehab program, you know. Start light, really high reps, and and build from there. Tendons of low blood flow; they they need high volume in order to to pick themselves up. So, but yeah, they're they're all going to add a benefit to growth. Um, sorry, I was thinking it was muscular, so I was thinking of protein turnover. And I got gotcha. you. Yeah. All right, 
Just a couple more quick things. Matt Blevin says that my clinic has me on 300 milligrams a week. My total test is still in the high normal, and my estrogen is low to mid-range at that dose. Huh. And Danny Zane. So, so that, that gets me back to the, is this an increased, you know, turnover of conversion because of stability? Yeah. Danny Zane, uh, hi, Dave. Why is it, this <laughs> is an interesting one, why is it, that the UK England reminds me of the medieval times. They still have castles, a queen, and small roads that cities had in the 1800s. I also notice that there uh, that the culture has the language of the past as well, like saying bloody. Doesn't that come from war times or Vikings? Just had me curious, as I'm not from there, but it's interesting to me. This would be a good question to close the show out on. And I can share my experience as pretty it's, much a UK person, my England guy myself now. I'm pretty much right. English at this point. Any country that has a long historical history of settlement is going to have one historical buildings, two historical highways. The fact that America is only, what, 250, 300 years old is why you don't have this old infrastructure because everything's been developed relatively new. Also, after each building is 10 years old here, we tear it down and build a new one. But, you know, that's, a that's, that's it. So, it, it's, I mean, we have modern areas. We have modern cities. Um, in fact, a lot of the big cities now have merged the modern buildings into the historic buildings and vice versa. So, you'll get a blend of the two. That's what I saw. Um, if, if you're talking in a comparative to America... You speak the same friggin' language, and the language has been developed from historical words, and a lot of it is based in, in Latin originally. But there's all sorts of terminologies that have carried through from historic historic phrases. Um, yeah, all right, bloody's not really a, a term used in America. Um, I wouldn't say it's particularly that popular in the UK anymore now. It's more no. the older end, I think, that use it. But it's definitely a word that's dying out. We now... Uh, are adopting American terminologies huh. um, and mainly through popular culture and, and exposure to social media and, right. you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's like you'll, you'll hear English people re, re, refer to money as dollar. Okay. As a slang term for money. And, and certain terminologies that are American are coming into play more with, with stuff as well. Um, so, you know, cultures develop, they borrow from exposure to different cultures, um, languages particularly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are very historical periods and very historical towns and cities within the UK, but there are also very modern ones as well. It was interesting it, being there. I'll tell you guys. Um, so when I got to the airport, everybody was just shocked because they saw this large metal bird come from the sky and I came from outside of it, inside of it. And then I got into Dave's wagon with him and he went, yeah, yeah. And he had these two donkeys that just took us down the trail. It was a, a cobblestone road all the way back to his, um, it, what are those houses called that were in the, that the hobbits live in where they're like built into the, <laughs> and that's the way the whole country was. It was amazing. It was pretty special. It was a really unique experience for me. Even though you commented on the injector seat 
program in my car <laughs> at the beginning of the show. Oh yeah, yeah, there was that too. Yeah, no, it is a cool, it is a cool blend of the old and new. I will tell you, man, the culture there and just the history, it really was like awe striking to me. It was. I mean, I, I, as you cool. know, I I live in a rural area, so obviously the the buildings around me in Chet are old. Yeah, yeah. Because there's been no cause to develop them into anything different. You re- remind us the town that you just moved from, how or the village? How old was that village again? When was that built? Oh, I don't know when. They, it would have. There's properties in the village that were three, four hundred years old. Easy. It's like older than the U.S. You know, <laughs> basically. Um, I mean, I my previous not previous property to that. The one before that was five hundred year old. And didn't you say that some of the roads were like actually formerly Roman roads? Not local to me, but there are roads yeah. where there are not that the road itself is, but underneath that road is an original Roman road, yeah. which is crazy to think. Like it's just. Uh, yeah. um, I mean, we went to York, um, and the Jorvik Viking Center, and and that was cool. That that that's. A replica, but that's original, you know, over a thousand years old settlement underneath the streets of York. Yeah. That was fun. I liked that ride. <laughs> the, like going through the village and stuff. That was, I told Victoria about it. I've got some video. I'll see if I can put some of that video up in here. There's like some little animated Vikings and stuff. It was cool. Teaching his son how to sharpen a it's a good I way mean, to end the building, show. There were buildings we passed in York that were 1500s. Yeah. The tower. How old is that oh, tower? The towers, that's, that tower's older than that. I don't know exactly, but I think it's about 12, 1300. Yeah. And it made me feel dizzy. Your wife had commented on that, <coughs> walking through it, because everything's like kind of lopsided. You, like yeah, your, your sense of yeah balance goes. It's a weird... It's a weird place to stand in. It's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad we got to do that. That was a lot of fun. Your wife was talking about coming out here. I wish you could get your paperwork. I was going to actually ask you about that after the show. If there's any way you could get it sorted, because it would be cool, man. I'd love to have you come out. I, I need to sort it, but it's just a case of I need to get off my ass and actually get it organized. Um, Even if you didn't want to come here to Detroit, because there's not a lot of stuff to see, I would meet you somewhere else. It it should be doable. It it shouldn't be a problem, but it's probably just a bit of hoop jumping. Imagine if we could like go to the Arnold or something. You would get to meet so many people that listen to the show. Like you'd be taken back. It'd be cool. Hmm. Uh, Well, I'll. uh, I must. I do keep saying I need to sort it. I need to sort it, and I just never get around to it. But I do need to sort it. All right. Well, we'll let you guys go. Uh, thank you for watching the program as always. Uh, as I mentioned at the start, uh, check out our sponsors. Uh, thank you to everybody who supports the programming through Patreon. In fact, I forgot uh, a Patreon question today, so I will make sure I dig that one out for next week. Uh, go to our, like I said, our sponsors. Check out truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. Uh, <laughs> I can't talk when Dave's petting the cabbage. Um, go to supplementsource.ca. You can get some good deals over there if you're in Canada. And, of course, check out Strom Sports Nutrition. Everybody in the United Kingdom, rally around the show and support us through Strom. 
Plus, you get some really good supplements over there, too. Uh, go to Eval. Get your blood work done by Dave. EvalBloodAnalysis.com. I'll have links to all this stuff below. Uh, guys, we appreciate you watching. Leave us comments for the next show. David Crossland, Christmas Cabbage, as always, thank you. And good day, sir. Good day. <laughs>